Global Broadcasting Networks presents Coach Talk Radio. Create the time, money, and lifestyle you want with tips, tricks, and techniques that get you started today from some of the best Internet minds in the business. Now, here are your hosts, Internet brand strategist Sandra Beck. Hey, guys and dolls. This is Sandra Beck, and this is the third in a series with Randy Pazin. He is a um, he's an amazing, amazing speaker. In fact, these are some of the easiest shows I've ever had to do because he's got so much knowledge. I don't have to do anything but sit here and drink my coffee and, you know, run to the bathroom for bathroom breaks on the commercial, which really, you know, three hours on the air in the morning is really a good thing when you can leverage. But the most important thing is the knowledge that he brings. And today we're going to talk about this personality assessment thing, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. It sounds so important. But before we do, I'd like to introduce my guest, Randy Pazin, and have him tell you a little bit about himself. Well, thank you, my friend. So my name is Randy, and it's kind of fun to be here today and talk about a very interesting personality assessment. So you want a little bit about my background? So currently, I work for a top-tier defense company, but we've started speaking outside of the corporate world and bringing some of this information to people in smaller businesses, as well as larger businesses and governments and municipalities, because we're finding that a lot of people don't get this type of information, especially about what we're going to be talking about today, which is, is personality assessments, because generally these things, you know, if you were to go out and ask someone to come in and do it, it's, it's, it could be four, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 to have somebody come in and, and really do a, a good job, someone who's qualified and certified to talk about this stuff. And, and, and well, most, Why do you do this? Like, why, why do you need to know my personality? Well, I don't need to know it, but teams and team leaders benefit by understanding each other and their idiosyncrasies and, and why certain things might turn Sandra on and those same exact things turn me off or why Sandra might behave one way in a situation and Randy would behave a completely different way in that same exact situation. And for teams and leaders, when you understand those uniquenesses about people, you can leverage them and make sure that teams and individuals are lined up to perform at their absolute best. And so understanding yourself is the primary goal of doing one of these types of assessments. And then understanding others is you know, really just the, the gravy on top of the, the mashed potatoes, I'm going to tell you. So are there different types of personalities that do better in different positions? Like, you know, is there one personality that makes a great assistant and one personality that makes a great graphic design artist? Or does it is it not that specific? You know, it, it can be that specific. And, you know, with, with me, I have, I have a military background. And so what's interesting about that is, you know, officially, you know, are assessments like this used to weed people out? No, but you could look at a team and say that that team has a a hole or a deficiency in a particular area that they need. And I'll I'll go into that a little bit later. When we go into the different the different components of these things. But so, for example, I'll just give you a quick one because you asked the question. So, uh, if we look at this one, this Myers Briggs type indicator, which is one that's been around forever. It started in World War II. It's based on the the research of Carl Jung, and then uh, there's a mother daughter team that that came in and accentuated that initial initial research. They came up with an assessment. It was used in World War II, and lots of women were coming into the workforce to figure out how we're going to put women in. And, and they were women, by the way. I'm not saying that in any kind of derogatory way, but to put these women who were coming into the workforce during World War II when the the men were out, you know, flying and marching and, and unfortunately dying. Where, where are we going to align them with innate skill sets? Because these things are, are innate behaviors. And so 
Uh, it's it's been around for years, and so uh, with my person, my my own personality, uh, and looking at the military, you know, I'm the type of person who goes out and will talk to just about anybody, and people will come and talk to me. I'm very extroverted, and extroverted doesn't mean that you are talkative, whereas introverted, we'll get in this later, doesn't mean you're quiet, but it means that I am uh, turned on or energized by the outside world and by people, and so what you don't want, looking at the military. Sandra would would be you wouldn't want me to be a sniper, right? Because no, once, you'd be like talking, and you know, meanwhile, you'd miss the chance to blow somebody's head off. Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about like you know, a a sniper has to go and what crawl in the bushes and sit there for days and days and days and hide and and you know, me and be by himself, which right. was so great for me. Right, and for me, I would I would the first goat herder that walked by, I'd be like, hey, how's it going? And and that that would blow the whole point of me being a sniper. So so knowing that about myself, does that help me align with situations and positions that I would accentuate my innate skill sets? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why this stuff is so important to to understand yourself and then understand you know other people. And so what what and we can talk about it, any number of assessments the reason i like this one so much is that there is so much validity and reliability in the que- the individual questions that the assessment asks and the uh, and and you know doing it over and over and over again so there was the way you look at a, a, an assessment is is the question that's being asked is that a valid question so if i was to say you know does, does sandra have blonde hair if that question came back that said, no, she's got, you know, brown hair, that would be a bad question, right? Right. And then reliability is if you were to take that same assessment multiple times or if, if two people were going to take that assessment, would you get the same results? And, and yeah, you want to have that. And so, so this particular one has extraordinarily high levels of validity and reliability. In other words, you, you get what you're paying for as opposed to, you know, other ones that you might find on the internet. And you can find MBTI on the internet, but it's not real and it's not going to give you the same data as going to someone who is, you know, certified to understand it and interpret it and, and to give you the real one. So, uh, that's why I happen to, I happen to like this particular one. And so what it does is it looks at individuals on, on four different planes. And I, I want to be clear about what this or any other assessment, you know, in, in the business world does and does not do. So in this one, it's going to tell you how you react to certain things and, and where you get energy. So on four different dichotomies, it's going to tell you how you get your energy. And then we'll talk about those later in another segment. Uh, it's going to tell you how you take in information. It's going to tell you how you make decisions and, and really, you know, how you are oriented to the outside world. So that's the four areas. Now, what it does not tell you, and I want to be very clear, it's not going to tell you if you have any, you know, psychometric or uh, psychological problems. It's not going to tell you whether you like to start fires or pull the wings off of flies. Or Did they give this one to Sheldon Cooper, do you think? Because his I, mother's like, you know, I had him tested. The doctor test- said he wasn't crazy. But I, this I, doesn't I, test crazy. It doesn't test crazy. This one is... And, and I would imagine that if Sheldon took this one, it would be uh, it would be very easy to predict the results based on, on any of the, any of the characters on that uh, on that show because uh, they really do uh, do a fantastic job in representing what uh, people in those jobs uh, stereotypically or generally demonstrate when it comes to behavior. So uh, in, in this one, it's not going to tell you any of those things. I'm, it's not going to tell you whether you're nuts or whether you're smart or you're not smart. It's not going to measure IQ or even emotional intelligence. It's not going to measure any of those things. It's simply going to tell you how, given four different dichotomies, you're going to react. But those four things are so critical for business, whether you're talking about a smaller business, Sandra, or whether you're talking about one that's uh, 
That's huge. And so what I think we should probably do is start at the beginning and, and talk about that first dichotomy. And that's, that's how we get our energy. And there's two schools of thought for that. So Sandra, what, you know, what do you think how you get your energy? Describe, describe how you get your energy. Well, you know, for the most part, I get, I get energized two ways. I get really energized reading and being quiet and being on my own. But I have to be honest, like to me, I'm like a personal introvert, Mm -hmm. but then I'm a professional extrovert and I enjoy being in front of a crowd and being, you know, part of a group, but only for a certain period of time. Like once I'm done, I'm done. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to listen to anybody. I don't want to look at anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. And I'm reminded of my son who in the middle of his uh, fifth birthday party went in a tent and read his book. Right. He had had enough. And that's, that is classic description of somebody in, in the Myers-Briggs language that would be classified as an introvert. doesn't mean that you're quiet. It just means that you like to you know, get your, your energy from self-reflection, inner thoughts. You know, and you actually mentioned reading and listening is, is one of the classic ways. If you were to describe a perfect weekend, it would probably be reading you know, a newspaper or sitting alone by the pool, reflecting on... But not all the time. Can we be both introvert and extrovert? And that's the, that's the absolute perfect question because, yes, you can. For some people, it's very, very situational. Now, it depends on how clear you are on that scale. It's a dichotomy. It's either the left or your right. So how clear you are in any of these preferences is going to determine how much this really applies to you. Some people are so introverted that if, let's say it's a husband and wife, and their ideal weekend is they each get a copy of the the New York Times Sunday edition, and they sit in a room, and they read it, and never say a word for the entire day. Other people's going for a long drive. Now, just because you happen to be introverted doesn't mean that you can't be in an extroverted role at work or in life. So, for example, I have a work partner and he is as strong an introvert as you can get. He does the exact same job that I do. But at the end of the day, we can give the same presentation, which we often do. At the end of the day, I want to go out to either the restaurant or the bar and, and be with people and talk to more people and, and just get that energy. He wants to go and drive for three hours in the rental car. Right. I need my sensory deprivation right, tank at this point. Right. Exactly. And that's what, that's what happens. So, uh, so if that's introverted, you know, extroverted, they're energized by people. They like working in groups and they really enjoy that variety. So and it's diversity. not really about what you do. It's how you recharge. It's how, well, it's how you, in this one is how you take in that energy, you know, so you might find people who are extroverted to be you know, very social and have lots of relationships where introverted people have very few, very close relationships. They might know a lot of people, but they're not going to let a lot of people in their world unless they feel it's a genuine, honest relationship. And then they'll let you in. Whereas, you know, extroverts like me will talk to anybody in the elevator or the supermarket or anything like that. Introverts will will you know look down and and just kind of think. We we talked about this before about you know how you tell the difference between an extrovert and an introvert. You know, an introvert when they talk to you, they look at their shoes, right? An extrovert when they talk to you, extroverts will just go and just like in your eyes and you're, you're hey, what's going on? They'll get even if you're an introvert, they'll get your your attention. And so that's that's the real important thing. And 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 it's okay to be an introvert or an extrovert. It's just what works best. For you and knowing that about yourself, leveraging those characteristics when you're in a situation. Okay, I need to take us to commercial break. Uh, this is Coach Talk Radio. We're visiting today with Randy Pazin, and he is 
amazing in understanding this personality assessment that we're going to talk about today. We're going to really uh, understand these different parts so that we can not only be better at our job, but we can leverage to people for things that we might not want to do. Like I don't like to do outside sales. It doesn't energize me, but I do hire good people for my company who love that. They love to talk all day long. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about these dichotomies that Randy talked about and then how they apply to us and where can we figure out where we are on this continuum without spending a fortune. We'll be back after the break. study finds the happiest couples sleep the closest together, as in less than an inch apart. A survey of 1,000 couples found that 86% of those who kept such close perimeters reported they were satisfied with their relationship. Only 66% of couples who slept 30 inches apart or more reported being completely happy in their marriage. What's the word for getting up on the wrong side of the bed? Metutalipia. Another predictor of relationship happiness is touch. While 94% of couples who made physical contact throughout the night reported a happy relationship, just 68% of couples who kept their distance did the same. What's the word for the semi-conscious state between sleep and wakefulness? Hypnopompic. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hiya, kitties. Sergeant Mambo here reminding you, you're listening to AstronetRadio.com. Welcome to News of the Odd. King George V of England, grandfather of Queen Elizabeth II, was euthanized with morphine and cocaine to meet a newspaper deadline. The king, a heavy smoker, was in the final stages of lung disease on January 20, 1936. His death was imminent. The date of the state funeral had been set, and the London Times had been instructed to hold the presses. A death announcement would be coming up soon. But that night, as the newspaper's deadline loomed, the king still held on. The king's doctor, who saw that the king's condition might last for many more hours and disrupt the arrangements, decided to euthanize him so that the morning papers could still make the announcement that the king was dead. Stay tuned to astronetradio.com for more news of the odd.
Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is Coach Talk Radio and this is the third in a series of shows with Randy Pazin and we are really talking about personality assessment today and this is something that I find very interesting because I I love all the Cosmo quizzes, I love the Glamour quizzes and this is like the Cosmo quiz for business. (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know if you ever find this one in Cosmo but if you do, take advantage of it because these things cost a ton of money. Uh, out in town. So what we're talking about today is is one of the, the I don't want to call it a classic, but it's been out there for years and years and years. And it's called the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. And while for me, whether I'm working in you know the outside company or within the large corporation that I work for, uh, when people ask for, for team assessments, this is the one, one of two that I, I generally recommend because it just has such a, a rich history. It's so applicable. It's not too much. People can get their hands around it and I think that's that's important. You know, you, you can take these assessments and get so much data, and it's overwhelming. You can't do anything with it. This is very simple. It's four dichotomies. The first one we've already talked about, and that's how you get your your energy. And that's wait. From, so okay. So so tell me the four dichotomies because I'm writing things down, and I know our audience is okay. Too. Well, the first one is what we call extroversion and introversion. Okay, so extrovert versus introvert. Right, and that's that's really what we are looking at today is or in the first segment. Right? And I think most people like especially they've been in business enough, they know where they fall in that. I think so too. And what's so what's so really interesting for for me is that you know, even though you're an introvert and a staunch introvert, you can still be a very successful person in front of people. You can have great team meetings. I think you'd be surprised at, at people who are well-known comedians, past and present. Oh, don't even present. bring up comedians. I was married to one. Okay, sorry. sorry. Okay, next, next uh, question. But, but those folks are equally represented in the, you know, the, the norm of being an introvert. And, uh, and so that's the first one. The second one is really how you take in information. And this is so interesting. So there are people in the world, Sandra, that take in information through their five senses, right? <clears throat> so they either have to see it or feel it or taste it or touch it. This is how you get your information. They have to, this is tangible, right? Then there's that other side of the scale. And those are the people who take in information from this gut feeling, this sixth sense. They're the people who are in your world that when you walk by, they'll say, I can tell something's wrong. What happened this morning? What if you like fall in the middle there? Because I'm looking at myself going mm-hmm. a lot. If I'm really learning something, I need to. I need you to tell me what it see. You know, like what it looks like, what it feels like, what it tastes like. And right. then, but then I also rely on my gut instinct a lot. Well, and that's the interesting thing about this. No, no matter which of the dichotomies you're talking about, even with extroversion, introversion, uh, it's really where you fall. <clears throat> pardon me, in the scale. You can be uh, okay. So, like on a scale, like on a scale of like one to ten, you're like (coughs) seven towards introvert. Even though, okay, so 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 situationally, most of the time you might behave a certain way, but there are going to be exceptions. So we talked before about extroversion and and introversion, where where I am obviously an extrovert because I get that energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I broke the scale and and. What's so interesting about that, though, is it is situational. Now, if you want to see Randy be an introvert, and you know, again, this is about taking energy and being around people. Well, there's that, but uh, they'll break out a dance floor, and, oh. and then and then wow, Randy will will demonstrate the behaviors of an introvert, and I'll just cloak myself. You won't even see it. It's amazing. I'll just disappear. And so that's you know, it is situational, uh, but understanding this about yourself also helps you understand how other people are. So, for example. 
if I if I understand what extroversion and introversion is, and I meet someone like Sandra who's an introvert, and she doesn't come up right away and give me a hug when I first meet her, or we don't have this automatic connection and we talk and talk and talk, I now know that Sandra's not stuck up or you know anything like that. I know that Sandra's possibly an introvert, and it's just going to take her a little bit of time to warm up. And and this is equally important when you think about you know leadership in teams because, and I was going to get to this in another one, but let's bring it up now. If I know this about Sandra, and Sandra's on my team, let's say, and I and I have a team meeting, I say, well, what do you guys think about this particular issue? Us extroverts, we'll talk right over Sandra. And you're sitting there, and you're thinking, and you're percolating, and you've got ideas, but are you going to necessarily blurt those out? No. I mean, sometimes I will if I know the answer right away, but most of the time, I'll let everybody in the room blow hot air while I think, and then, because I think extroverts think out loud. Mm-hmm. They think to talk, or talk they to think. Talk to, talk think. to think. Talk to think. Yeah, because my I have right. an introvert and an extrovert as kids, and one of the mm-hmm. things my little guy drives me absolute bananas is from the time he gets up in the morning to the time he goes to bed at night, he talks out loud and he talks through his emotions, his thoughts, his everything that comes. It's like a it's like a, a faucet that just pours out his mouth. And sometimes we don't know what we're going to say until we say it. Right. And that's the scary part. As introverts, you rehearse. You practice, and then you might get the words or out. Or you think about it, and you think about how is it going to be received? How is mm-hmm. the best way to say this? Should I say it? And here's the danger in that for organizations. While you're doing that, us extroverts are railroading right over you, and we'll go on to the next topic. Right, because you guys get to the wrong place faster. I get to the wrong place because I made a bad decision. Okay, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> well, that's that's how, you know. but, but, but no, and, and so what happens is we, we just, and then maybe... Maybe if if I'm lucky as a leader, you might take the initiative to send me an email about something we had talked about, but most likely you'll just let it go. Right. So as teams, what we have to do is we have to allow the extra or the introverts rather to speak. And what, what I did on one team is I made all the introverts uh, fold their hands together and put their fingertips up to their lips. It, it looks like you're praying. And it worked great because then we would we would ask something, extroverts would, would assume the position, introverts would be allowed to talk, except I, we had a very senior leader walk into one of our team meetings and was so embarrassed because they thought that we were praying and she oh. interrupted us and it was horrible. Yeah, maybe use yeah. the finger like this. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. So so the thing with this though, so now we know that there's some people who have to see things and, and, and they're very tangible. Others have that, that gut feeling and they make decisions that way. And so, you know, if I was to ask you, for example, to describe a uh, an object, let's say that object was uh, was an apple. People who are, are on the sensory side of this thing and not the intuitive side of it, people who are strong in the sensory side, they're going to say things, well, you know, it's, it's red and it weighs so many grams and it has five little points on the bottom of it and it has a stem and it has a UPC code on it. People who are more on the intuitive side of things, they're going to say things like, well, you know, William Tell, America, apple pie, it tastes good. Um, no, that's so funny because I saw, I was like red and tastes good. Yeah. And I would ask you, well, how do you know it tastes good? Well, I've had one before. There, that's, the, that's the answer, right? And so that's the whole, the whole way of understanding how different people think. And so when you're aligning people with projects... You know, do you want the person who's laser focused on what's in front of them and the data, or do you want the the person who might be able to see over the horizon and the possibilities? So let me ask you: Do you think, like, you know, because I I look at this thing and I go, okay, a lot of it depends on whether I wear my leadership hat or my um, 
my leadership hat or my employee hat. Because in different teams, I play different roles in different projects. I might be the project leader or I might be the person that's building a component. So Mm -hmm. when you switch roles like that, does your, you know, my vision changes. Well, I think that, again, is situational. And depending on where you're at in a project or a position, you and, and how strong you are on that scale is going to be how these behaviors that, are, again, are, are pretty innate. They, they can change over time, but, but pretty much they're innate. So if you were to take this thing throughout your life, you're going to get pretty similar results. Some things may change as you get married or divorced or have kids or get older and, and you know realize what's really important in life and what's not really important in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so are you going to get those things? Yeah, but is it situational? For, for a lot of people, it is. And again, it depends on how strong you are. Many, many people, when they take this assessment, and it's important to notice, we're not calling it a test. It's not a test. It's a psychometric instrument. And it's the same one you'd go to psychologists or psychiatrists or a big corporate American. You'd get it. It's an assessment. It's not a test. It's not testing for something. It's just assessing certain innate behaviors. And so uh, depending on how strong you are on that scale, we'll, we'll tell you probably how you're going to react. And there are many people who are right on the middle in almost all four of the of the dichotomies. And and there you're going to see lots of flexibility and diversity in, in action. People who are hard over on one side are probably going to act the same all, all the time. And, and so, you know, for example, going back to extrovert and introvert for a moment, you know, those people are going to go to... So Sandra and I went to a party together, and I'm an extrovert, she's an introvert, if I'm an extrovert, I'm going to go out and talk to everybody. Sandra, what are you going to do when you go to that party? There's 200 people in the room. It's a corporate party. What are you going to do? Cruise the room and see where I need to be. And and maybe find one person, just talk to them or two people and have a drink in the corner. Maybe. I don't know. It maybe. Depends. Well, no, I mean, I would join a group, but it would be strategic. Okay. Now, if we had to leave the party because we went together, if you wanted to leave that party at 9, what time do you have to tell me it's time to go? 9 o'clock. It's time to go. Okay, do you think that's going to work? Because I'm an extra. No, because you're busy blabbing. And what do like I what do I have people. to do before I leave that party? Say goodbye to everybody. And if I don't say goodbye to everybody, I'm going to be in the car texting them, right? So yes. You got to tell me at eight o'clock it's time to leave at nine o'clock. Right? <laughs> that's funny. Now, do both do teams need both extroverts and introverts? Yes, they do because they balance each other out in the way that they think. Same thing with people who are strong in sensing and intuition. We need people who can see that today and people who can look up over the horizon. And when we get back from our next break, we can talk a little bit more about this one and the next dichotomy. You know, thank you, Randy. This is Sandra Beck. This is Coach Talk Radio. I don't even need to host my show anymore. You can just take over. That's the typical extrovert. Sorry. Like, you could just take over and bring us to commercial break. Would you like to read my voiceovers? Um, you probably would be really good at it. And, you know, that's the funny thing about knowing what we're good at and, and why and how and what opportunities might present to us in the future as we grow and change in our careers. We're talking today about the Myers-Briggs type indicator personality assessment and kind of the different conditions continuums and where we fall and what it looks like. Uh, for those of that you are that are interested in learning more about this, you can contact Randy Pazin. The easiest way is to find him on Facebook under P-A-Z-E-N. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about the four dichotomies and how they affect us in our typical workday. We'll be back after the break.
rock climbing? I recently tried rock climbing for the first time while on vacation in Colorado. I was a total Gumby. That's slang for a newcomer to the sport. As a Gumby, I was guilty of excessive hangdogging or holding onto the rope instead of grabbing the rocks. Rappelling, also called abseiling, is descending down the rock using the ropes. As I was climbing up, my husband hollered up to me, Hey, there must be a word for this. Quicks a tickle, or a foolish, capricious person in the pursuit of ideals, came quickly to mind. When I finally got to the top, it started raining, and there I was, literally between a rock and a hard place. What's the word for the fear of high places? Batophobia. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. When the critters get restless here in the apple tree of weirdness, there's only one thing that calms them down. It's the sounds of astronetradio.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If you exercise vigorously on a regular basis or are a competitive athlete, chances are you will have to deal with an injury at some point. Too often, the tendency is to stop exercising once an injury occurs. But doing so can really set your fitness level back, so it's important to remain physically active while your injury heals. Harvard Health Publications recommends that even if you have an injury, you should continue being physically active. If your injury is in your arm or upper body, you can still continue with aerobics and lower body strength exercises. If your injury is in your lower body, like your knee or hip, aerobics may not be possible, but you can lift weights with your upper body. While the injury is healing, be sure to keep up with daily stretching so that your body does not get tight. Follow the physical therapist's instructions and don't do anything that would hinder the healing. I'm Annette Hammond. Taking care of business every day. Taking care of business every way. Taking care of business. It's all mine. Taking care of business. Working overtime. Taking care of Hey guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck and this is Coach Talk Radio and we are visiting today with Randy Pazin. We are talking about personality assessments and we're kind of giving you the, you know, 10 cent on air version of how to uh, use any assessment if you find out you're more introvert, extrovert, how you take in information. You know, most of these uh, assessments are really out of everybody's price range, but but you know we can learn uh, some things. But you said not through us. So what does yeah, well, that mean? So so what's interesting about this is you know, and Sandra will mention this I'm sure later is that you know in addition to to working for the the large uh, company, uh, a friend of mine and I started this small business called Two Trees Leadership Training, and the the whole premise behind that is to bring these things to people who either don't have the time or can't afford them in their regular job, and so. Uh, whereas if you were to go out in town, yeah, this assessment would cost you a whole lot of money. I mean, we're talking upward, you know, it could be in the hundreds of thousands. I've heard everything up to $4,000 a person. I find that very hard to believe, but there's only, you know, it, it can happen. If, if people, and I'm not trying to market or plug, but if you're interested in this stuff and you want to reach out to us, um, you know, we're not going to, I'm not trying to market, but, uh, but if you want to reach out to me on, uh, on Facebook or LinkedIn or anything like that, Get me a message out there. We we do it for a ridiculously low amount of money. We're we're kind of giving it away, but the whole premise of us doing this 
this this business is to bring this stuff to people who really don't have the time or can't afford it in their uh, in their careers. So uh, it's it's fun. It's it feels philanthropic to be honest with you, but it's uh, it's a good it's a good thing. Well, isn't it's in alignment with why I do radio? I want everyone to have access. I want equal opportunity access to education. I don't yeah. want it to be just for corporations or the elite or people who can pay for it. Because growing up, I couldn't pay for it. There you go. Um, but I will plug Northwestern and thank them for putting me through my undergraduate and graduate degree. Because without their grants and support and scholarships, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm just going to plug Northwestern for a minute. There, there you go. Okay, so we. We have these four dichotomies. The are you where are you on the continuum between introvert and extrovert? How you take in info? You know, are you on the see, feel, taste, touch side, or on the gut instinct side? Right. So, what's the third one? Well, the third one is really kind of interesting. It's how you you really kind of come to decisions, and it's whether you make decisions more with your head or with your heart. We call this one thinking, or you know, it's it's feeling, thinking or feeling. And so with all this, you, you give yourself a letter. So an extrovert and introvert, you're either an E or an I. On the sensing or intuition, you're either an S or you're an N. And you would say, Randy, but intuition starts with an I. Yeah, well, we already used the I and the one above it. So, okay. You know, we well, I just, I'm still on thinking and feeling. So I know. before so, we get into these other things. Well, no, no. These are the first two. Now, the third one we're talking about right now is thinking and feeling. So either a T or an F. Now, now thinkers make decisions with fact, with their head, What's best for the organization? What's best for the company? How are we going to survive? Now, uh, people who are feelers, what do you think they make decisions? Well, based so on? does a feeling. So, right. where, but what comes first? Like, I'm just going to tell you. Um, I sit down when I have to make a big decision. I sit down and I make the pros and cons list. I make what the benefit is mm-hmm. for everybody. What's the overall good? All this stuff. But then. I, and I make a decision on that, like an A, B decision. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this decision. But then I actually sit with it mm-hmm. and see how it feels. So the actual final decision making is what my gut tells me, but I have to go through the thinking process first. Okay, so so what's interesting is you described a couple dichotomies right there. The first one is you're talking about how you go through the decision making process. To me, that sounds like you're making the decision with your head. And now like, so for example, let's take the most horrific decision a leader has to make, and that's layoffs, right? Thinkers in a situation like that, and I'll give you another example in just a second. You know, thinkers are like, okay, this is the best for the company. It's business. It's how it is. It's not personal. Feelers like me are like, oh my God, I'm going to put Sandra out of work. Well, see, and I would go, I would go on this matrix of going, okay, who needs the most money? Who needs the least money? Who's been here? The seniority, you know, there's all these different things. Who do I like? Who do I not like? Who's good for the team? Who's not good for the team? You know, I kind of go through those things and then I make my short list. Right. But then the, at the end of the day, the final decision maker is what my gut tells me. Okay. So when you make decisions and you're, you're, you're going through this whole process, you know, you, you do it a couple different times, um, Look at it a couple different ways. Looking at facts and principles and things yep. like that, right? That's that's really indicative of a thinker. If you look at if you look at those types of behaviors, you know, feelers on the other hand, there's so much there's so much to this. You know, they look at you know their feelings when they make decisions. They look for fairness. Uh, they yeah. may overextend themselves. So you may be kind of in the middle of that dichotomy. It could be interesting to, for you to take this assessment. Well, and see yeah, because have- I'm like I'm a waffler, and uh, you know, and I think it depends. Like uh, like. I think I'm a thinking decision maker, but then the the swing vote, mm-hmm. like if I'm not sure, but I have to sit with a decision for a few minutes. I just don't shoot from the hip. 
So let me ask the people in the audience who can't respond, but how many of you think we should give Sandra just a little <laughs> test right now to see if she's a thinker or a feeler? Okay. Wow, I'm seeing close to a million people raising their hand right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow, because I'm intuitive. Okay. And so uh, I'm going to give you a situation, Sandra. Now you are, and you know, you have kids. Yep. Okay. Uh, I know that you have boys. Yep. Uh, I'm going to give you a girl. Okay. Mazel tov. So okay. you are now, and, and you have a, a daughter. Okay. Okay. Uh, you are also a coach. You are the coach. No, no, not this kind of coach. (laughs) No, you're now the coach of a girls softball team. Okay. Ages nine to 12. Okay. All right. Now you've just won the state championship. Yep. Okay. You've been invited to to go and play at the national. Okay. Okay. The national game is in Hawaii. Okay. Now the problem is you have 21 girls on your team. The national roster will only allow you to list 15. Okay. What are you going to do? I'll cut the girls that we don't need to win. Wow, and that took off a millisecond. And <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's an easy one because for, either you go or don't go. Right, and for that, ladies and gentlemen, that demonstrates <laughs> a thinker. Okay. Okay, wow. I, mean, I feel bad about the girls who didn't get cut, but do you want, you know, the whole point of playing at a national level is you want to win. Now, if you're a thinker, it doesn't mean you're heartless. And no. If, and, if, and if you're a feeler, it doesn't mean that you don't have any thought. It just means how you make decisions, right? So you have to be very careful with the language in this. You know, again, with extrovert, it doesn't mean that you're talkative. It just means that's how you get your energy. Well, in my head, are. I was like going, okay, I got I got to cut six girls. That's going to suck. That's going to be awful. But the greater good for the team, and if the team wants to win and have the championship. And then I think I would cut the girls who were younger unless I really needed them so that they could go next year. Now, this, this, uh, um, this is thinking. Feelers, feelers. If, if she was a feeler, folks, what you would hear was like, aww. You, when you do this in a Well, homework, I did have an aww. You know, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, crap, i got to cut these girls. What's smaller than a millisecond? Could you spit the hands right? I have a very high processing speed right uh, on my Right. Brain. This is Sandra 2.0. It's filtering. So here's the thing. Feelers are like, here's what you would, here's what you would get from a feeler. Well, and also, is, does this have a matrix of competitiveness? Because I like to win. Um, and definitely the thinkers, if you were to look at stereotypic behavior, they will make a point just for the ma- the sake of making the point. And so, yeah, that's another one of thinking. But let me tell you about feelers just for a second. Okay, I'm heartless. Fe- I'll just sit over here. You're not heartless. heartless. I already it's solved you're not heartless. But feelers will sit here and go, well, we could fundraise and take the other girls and make them cheerleaders. No. You can't. You can't take a soccer player and make her a ma- or a softball, softball player and make him a cheerleader. I'm telling you, this is how feelers come up with answers. Look at this: why we feelers can... don't run organizations. Okay, Go ahead. actually, some of them do. About 45 percent of them do, but it's okay. Okay. Uh, not do feelers be... need like a box of Kleenex to make their decisions? Pretty much. Okay. Feelers will be like, well, what we could do is make six. As it was six, right? The different. Okay, so as an introvert, sorry, it's okay. that takes an information by see, feel, touch, taste. Um, you're saying that I am Sheldon Cooper with no feelings. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that... But, I mean, there was a point to it. I'm saying that if Sheldon Cooper was a pretty blonde lady, that would be you. Okay, so I'm thinking... Now, we've never done the assessment. We don't know. We're hypothesizing. Oh, please. You've known me a long time. You know this test inside and out. You could answer these questions probably for me. I'm just trying to be nice. No, that's okay. I mean, I'm not great on the feeling continuum on a good day. I think that you you demonstrate feelings, as we all do. Again, this is not hard and fast. But when you make decisions, I think that you make decisions, if I had to guess, just guessing, that on balance, it's easier for you to make decisions or your go-to is with the head more well, than... Well, it's a 
I, I, I do 90% of the thinking and then I check it 10% with the gut. I think what would be fun is for you to take this assessment and invite me back and then <laughs> yeah. we publicly... Humiliate do, me. No, 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 no. Because there's no right or wrong in this. Okay. There's no good well, or bad. Well, no, but that... Okay. You say there's no right and there wrong. There are no right or wrong, okay. period. But here's the thing. In our culture, and I know we're going to go to commercial break. I see Roy telling me that I think we're going to go to commercial break soon, so I'll make this quick. But in our culture, we laud extroverts, and we make fun of introverts. The Big Bang Theory is a perfect example of that. We we kind of laugh along with all the nerdy introverts, but the extroverts who are our actors and our politicians and things like that, they get a lot more play, unless you're maybe Bill Gates and you got a lot of money to throw at stuff. But we are definitely a pro-extrovert society. I don't know if this is a good example or not but I, I love the musical Wicked and okay. there's a song in Wicked called Popular and, and in the song she talks about whether people who are popular are necessarily you know smarter or greater no they're just really great speakers and they're out there and and not the Sheldon Coopers of the right of they're the hugging world. people they're smiling making eye contact but, but, but are they necessarily the best leaders so again in this assessment there is no right or wrong or, or better than worse no but we're talking about we're talking about current culture. People like extroverts better. They're easy. Like, they're predictable. They walk in and smile. They'll shake your hand. They'll hug you. You'll stand there like a stick, and, and people will be like, wow, you're not very friendly, even though I'm a very friendly person once you get to know me. Well, and it, it, you could you could even turn that around and say, you know, that, that uh, someone is a great surgeon, but they have crappy bedside manner. Yes. And so if you are looking for a heart surgeon, on balance, would you want them to be your best friend or be able to... Right, and I have a heart your... surgeon. I do not want him talking to the nurses while he's cutting me open on the table. Right. Like, shut up, focus, and do your job. Right. Okay. And, and so certain things are, are better for certain situations. Like, you don't want me to be a sniper. But okay. we're, we're, we're right now, out. here, I'm going to be like the thinker and thinking, we've got 30 seconds to commercial break. This is the introvert versus the extroverted guest. Um, my name is Sandra Beck. This is Coach Talk Radio. We are visiting today with extrovert expert and Randy Pazin. And I I am your introvert uh, radio host who's trying not to take offense to some of these things, but I'm really not. I mean, it is. I get it. I get it. People like extroverts no, better. They don't. Unless you're oh operating on their heart or we've, your brain. We've so, gone south. All right. We've, we've gone, gone south. south. All right. We'll be back after the commercial break. We need to recover. <laughs> but I think, you know, a lot of extroverts find this stuff offensive. <laughs> Listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. 
I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hi, this is Matt McBride, best known as Perry Buckner on Paranoria, Texas, and you're listening to AstronetRadio.com. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Guys and dolls, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Randy Pazin, and we are doing a show today about personality assessments. And for those of you who are just joining us, I'm an introvert who takes in information, I guess, tangibly. I see, feel, taste, and touch. And I think myself out of, or I think myself into making decisions and have very little feelings. So there we go. And again, uh, for full disclosure, we're making these assessments without any kind of real validation or reliability. So if you are just joining us, you missed a classic Randy and Sandra uh, heated discussion regarding extroverts and introverts and thinkers and feelers and sensors and is and and you know it's funny she Sandra was saying that you know people like extroverts more and that introverts are not popular which nothing could be further from the truth so I'm going to just name some names that I think you'll agree. Um, wow, let's say uh, Abraham Lincoln, introvert, uh, or at least Boring. Dave, Dave, no, Emma Watson. Who's Emma Watson? Harry Potter. Oh my God, she's a child actor. Who cares? Go Christina next. Aguilera. Okay, weird War- singer. Warren Buffett, Albert Einstein. Um, yes, let's out, Bill- let's get Warren Buffett and Albert Einstein to our Bill Christmas Gates. party. Okay, There's Bill another Gates. one. He could fund the Christmas party. Uh, Gandhi, Laura Bush, Rosa Parks. Yes, they are. They're fun in their own right. I mean, come on. There's got to be somebody in there. Candace Bergman. Because she's snarky. Okay, there are lots and lots. I mean, the list. I could go through. There's lots and lots of lists. People, okay, that did not make me feel uh, better. I could be Abraham Lincoln, Albert Einstein, and Bill Gates all rolled into one. All Woo! Great, what a great package. All great, successful leaders. I should put leaders. that on my dating profile and, people, and see who I get. Oh, my God. You get Sheldon Cooper. Yes. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, I'm not going to win this argument, so I'm just going to uh, live to fight it. There you go. Day. See, I'm and, outthinking him, and he's feeling bad, so well, I won. Uh, listen, an 11-year-old child with a paper route could outthink me, so that's not a that's nothing to brag about. So... All right. 
Holy cow, you know, so when we, when we think about the next dichotomy, the next way we're looking at things and the, the, those terms, and again, this, the, the words we have to be careful with because uh, the next ones are judgers and perceivers. And if, uh, if, okay, you're, if you're I'm a judger, judging you all it's not, over the map no, no, today. no, it's not judgmental. It's how you're oriented to the, to the outside world. It's how you look at things and how you react to situations based on that. And so, you know, people who are in the judging category are very, very organized and how, and how they do. Uh, so the example that I always, and they have limits, they have things that they know they're comfortable with deadlines. They like closure. Uh, they pride themselves on being on time. They have a place for everything and everything in their place. So if Sandra, uh, was more on the macho, macho side of things and Sandra had a pegboard in her office with tools like, I was thinking of putting a pegboard up there. So people who are very strong on the judging side, the organized side, would not only have their tools on a pegboard as opposed to all over a workbench, they would draw outlines. Look, look at my tools right there. Turn around. They're all identified in a nice little pink tool bag, and they're color coordinated. they matched, and they're organized. I think Tim the Toolman Taylor just rolled over. <laughs> so so basically, it's, it's the most girly tool bag I've ever seen. And so people who are very organized and structured – like that, they fall on the on the on the judging side of things. They know, for example, what they're going to do before their feet hit the floor in the morning. When they go on vacation, they know what they're going to see, who they're going to talk to. Now, people who are more on the perceiving side, their tools are all over the place, right? And if you want to drive a think or a judger dr- uh, crazy, pardon me, uh, perceivers like me will take the tools and put them in the wrong place, and they can see the outline. It just drives them nuts. It's kind of fun to do to some people. Yeah, it's not fun. It is for, it is for us. And so pe- people who are like me who are more on the perceiving side. Don't touch my tools. Don't. I will not. Trust me. I will not touch your pink tools. Uh, what we do, you know, we kind of go with the flow a little bit more. We're like kelp in the ocean. We we know that we're going to be doing some things, but, you know, we don't necessarily have the plan. And going on vacation uh, can be very frustrating if you are someone like Sandra and I because we have very different ways of organizing, like, vacation. Yes, real- I would like my relaxation time scheduled in. Right. There you go. I know I can count on it. I know when I can take my nap. I can take my rest. I know when we're going to eat. I'm going to schedule some time to be to be funny or relaxed or to be creative. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whereas, you know, people who are on the perceiving side, yeah, they, they like to explore without limits. They, they like the pressure from deadlines, but they like to, to explore. They like to go with the flow and, and see how... Well, I'm just going to change in my mind because judging sounds so bad. It's so pejorative. So we're going to call it structured versus like kind of open-ended. You know what? I think that would be great, except this is copywritten material. And having you taught copyright law for a while... I'm not going to go there, but that was... Well, but I'm the radio host, That's right. So I you can, can go there. Right. You can, but you're also not certified to do this, whereas I no, am. No, so. and I would not want to be certified right. to and do so this. Because is, I would be judging all over the map. So we will do the Sandra MBTI, and we'll call that Structured versus Kelp. Going no, it'll the, be the SBTI. Myers-Briggs has theirs, Sandra there. Beck type indicator. There you go. I think it would work. It's just subscribe. a nicer way to put it, because when you say you're a judging person, 
it makes you feel bad mm-hmm. because of the word judgmental. Right. Even it though does. you tell me it's not just the word to judge someone, especially from a Christian background, we do not sit in judgment. God judges, not me. Well, right. And that's why bad. that's why we're so clear in the beginning and say these words have different meanings yes. in in Myers Briggs than they do in the outside world. Because if you are a judger, it does not mean that you sit in judgment. And if you're a perceiver, it doesn't mean that you are perceptive. It just means this is how you look at the the outside world and how you roll with it, basically. And it's it's so much fun when you know all these things. Here's the thing, whether, and and again, I, I don't want to give it away because, you know, these people might actually call me one day and, and do a workshop with this stuff, and it's hilarious. But when we do this thing, these things in live audiences, what we do is we, uh, we give them a problem with uh, a number of different objects in front of them. And we break them up. We have them self-select into people who believe that they're judges and other people who believe they're perceivers. And what's so funny is, uh, same problem, same set of objects in front of them, and how they react to all these different pieces of a puzzle, let's say, in front of them is is astounding. So if you look at a puzzle, people who are judges are probably going to so sort no, them. no, you just asked me like like what I would do. Okay, like let me ask through, you. Yeah, we'll do it virtually. Okay, so you if you well, I'm not thinking of what we really do, but we'll take a puzzle. Okay. So if I was to give you a puzzle. It was one of those, you know, horrible puzzles that people do around the holidays to okay, avoid just talking to it's, it's a puzzle with puppies under a Christmas tree. Okay, one of those. Uh, what? So you're all by yourself. There's no one else around. Yep. And uh, you uh, open the box. Yep. What would you do with it? I would sort the pieces by color. I'd put all the straight edges mm-hmm. in one pile. Then I would line them up, whether they have two, three, or four of those little, like, nubbies that connect to each other. Right. And what's so interesting about this stuff is that uh, this is about predictable behavior. Okay. And this is why assessments like these are so very important because when you understand your own predictable behavior, you can understand the behavior of, of other people. And then teams and individuals right, work better together. To be fair, for somebody like me, and I think you know Sheldon Cooper says this the best way, he'll say things like, Oh, that's that's sarcasm or or that's something, you know, emotions are that. puzzling to me. And they are puzzling to a lot of us. So when we can see that what another person is doing like the perceiver or the extrovert it doesn't have to always feel like it's better it's just different and so while i'm not going to on on air tell you the thing that we do but um predictable things i have some notes here well so analyze my puzzle my puppy puzzle well you were probably a J. And here's why. Because if you look over here at, at my notes, oh, no, I'm talking to Sandra. I'm going to tell the audience. I'm doing, I'm doing okay, the, so know. what is a J? So a J will probably use directions, if there were any. Yeah. Uh, you know, P's would probably go, oh, yeah, directions. That would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Right? J's are going to organize things by shape and color. Did you not just exactly say that? Yes. Okay. Uh, P's would not do that. I would yeah, tell they you would that. just look at a big pile and right. spend two hours Right, to- right. Now, if you had more than one person at the table... People who are J are going to be working on probably, you know, one or two projects. P- people like me would be, hey, let's work on this part of the puzzle. Let's work on this. No, I would tell you, you're straight edge, right. you're blue, you're yellow, you find the Christmas tree parts. And so, again, the last thing in my notes that only Sandra can see, but what does it say right there? The J's were more serious about completion. Oh, yeah, we need to get that done right. like and, now. And P's like me, let's just roll with it. Let's have a good time. If we if we do the puzzle, we do the puzzle. Sometimes, Which is why we annoy the crap out of each other right there. Like, you want to have fun and like, woo, and you would mess up the pieces. Yes. I know you. You would put your hand in my pile of straight edges and you would like move them around just because. No, what I would actually do is I would hide 
one of your pieces. <laughs> no, or, that's awful. or or I would take one of your pieces. This is worse, and this is people are never going to call me now. Is I would is, with you is I would take was I would take one of her pieces, pretend to go to the bathroom, find a pair of scissors, and cut <gasps> and cut that nub off. Cut the nub that, off exactly. You deserve to die. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's so that's bad. that's the difference. But but what's interesting about this is is again. I want to be very clear uh, in this as we're wrapping up that there is no better or no worse Myers-Briggs type. You're really looking at what you're going to be in each one of these four dichotomies. They're based on innate preferences. And when you understand your preferences about yourself, you can then understand them about other people. Now, most of you who are listening to this broadcast have probably started or are going to, as soon as we're done, start diagnosing the people in your family, if you are in a relationship with your significant other, your children, your parents. It's very natural. And I would encourage you to do two things. One, to to take this or any other assessment from someone who's qualified to, to interpret it and to, to give it to you. And that's very, very important. So, and I'm not doing any plugs. If you want, reach out to me. I'll be glad to help you out. If not, find someone who's qualified. I, I would very strongly recommend not going onto Google and typing in MBTI and taking the one that is either free or you pay $5. It is not the same thing as what we're talking about today. And then to realize that, there again, there is no better type. If you look at the distribution, there are 16 different possible combinations, equally successful, equally diverse in in thought and approach. And I I don't want people to leave thinking that, oh my God, I'm this, so I'm not, you know, I'm not that. And in in work and in business, it is very important to have diversity because all of these balance each other out. So thanks for having me. I'm so glad I had you. I'm never going to do a puzzle with you because you would go in and cut off that nub. You would kill me. Yes, but I'm really glad that you came on the show today because you really helped me understand a lot of the different personalities out there. And even though I'm still going to believe that people like me for what I can do and people like you for who you are, because that to me is the definition of introvert versus extrovert, um, we can come back on another episode and uh, have me take this test and Mm -hmm. review the results and have a good old laugh. This is Sandra Beck for Coach Talk Radio. If you love today's show, you can find more of them at CoachTalkRadioShow.com, TogiNet, T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com, or you can go to iTunes for TogiNet, I'm sorry, iTunes for Coach Talk Radio, and find this and other episodes like it. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening. On behalf of Sandra Beck and Scott Frazier, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques from Coach Talk Radio.